God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Hey everybody, it's day 21 of our 90 day challenge. And the topic for today is take me to the king. Be careful to do what it says. We are in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, the first chapter and the first verse reads this way. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer. Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Artaxerxes sends Nehemiah to Jerusalem. Chapter 2. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins? and its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. So I set a time 
I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans Euphrates so that they will know and provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy? And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of the trans Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool. But there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up by the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. And therein ends our reading for today. Our worship thought is take me to the king. About 10 years ago, the Lord gave me an idea for a book titled The Mission, Why You Matter. As one who grew up in church, I had always heard the words purpose, passion, calling, assignment and destiny thrown around interchangeably. But I didn't know what each word meant individually. The goal of the mission was to help people recognize why they mattered and what their mission was on earth in light of the scriptures. I wanted to use the life of Christ and other biblical characters to define and differentiate these popular words. One of those characters is that of Nehemiah. And I promise you by the end of this challenge, that book titled The Mission, Why You Matter, will be finished. Why? Because the more I listen to people, the more I realize how unclear most of us are about our reason for existing. But we are not just here for a season. We are here for a reason. And God did not just put us in the earth to do something. He created us to mean something. What does your life mean? How can you truly impact others if you are not clear about your why? Pastor Darius Daniel says it like this. One of the greatest gifts God gives us after the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, is the gift of clarity. So permit me to give you a sneak peek of a coming attraction. Here are the five sentences God gave me to define and to differentiate purpose, passion, assignment, calling, and destiny. Purpose. Purpose is the verb and the vehicle 
of your life. Passion. Passion is the fuel inside that vehicle. Assignment. An assignment is a temporary rest stop along the way. Calling. Calling is the echo, 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 haunting you since childhood. And destiny. Destiny is the punctuation mark at the end of your life sentence. If you want me to elaborate on all five of these areas, you're going to have to get the full book when it's completed. But for the purpose of this worship thought, let's talk a little bit about purpose, passion and assignment. Many people define purpose in many ways. I define it as the verb or the vehicle that should show up in every sentence of your life, because I wholeheartedly believe God gives all of us a verb. Some of us have two, but that verb gives life to dead things. It awakens you out of the coma of normalcy. For some, their verb is encourage. And no matter what they do for a living, that verb screams loudly in the world. For others, their verb is evangelize. And even if they don't have a position in the church, they always find themselves sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with someone else. For another, your verb may be counsel. For another, your verb is protect. For me, God clearly told me in college that his purpose for me is to invoke. He actually gave it to me in a complete sentence to invoke the people of God into a true worship experience. My verb is invoke. Another verb I have been given is bridge because all throughout my life, I constantly see God using me to bridge the old with the young, the sacred with the secular, the Pentecostal with the Presbyterian. I am a bridge. I'm also a middle child. So I think all middle children have a little tinge of that word by accident on purpose. <laughs> but the word invoke is very unique. I didn't even know what that word meant when the Lord first gave it to me, but now I'm clear. I am called to ignite your passion, jumpstart your understanding, and cause others to want to know in an intimate way the God I love and serve. So if I'm preaching in the pulpit or teaching as a professor, God has purposed me to teach my classes in such a way that students walk away ignited. They might leave my class saying something like, there's something different about this professor. He woke up something in me I thought had died. When I am walking in my purpose, I invoke you to finish what you've started so that ultimately you will come to understand the majesty of our God and your role in the earth. I believe Nehemiah's verb was rebuild. He was purposed by God to rebuild the wall and in so doing, he was able to protect what Solomon built, empower the people who complied, deploy and delegate leaders and change the world for God's glory. That, my friends, is purpose. Our passion, however, is the fuel that gives purpose life. So if purpose is the puppet, then passion is the puppeteer. It is the thing that keeps you up at night. It is the thing you can do even if you didn't get paid to do it. If purpose is the vehicle, then passion is the fuel. And the same way man shall not live by bread alone, people should not live by passion alone. Why? Because if passion is your only guide, the same fuel that keeps a car moving can also burn down a house if it is not safely contained. 
Nehemiah had a deep passion for people. His passion for people fueled his purpose to rebuild. We know this because when he discovered his people in Jerusalem were suffering, passion motivated him to ask a worldly king for an otherworldly favor. The king granted his request because Nehemiah was consistent on his secular job. He was punctual, professional, and poised. We can infer this from the text because the one day his countenance revealed sadness, the king noticed. Worshippers, not only must we live a life that pleases God, we must also live a life that resembles him. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The strength of the Lord is in our smile. When people experience our joy, they get a glimpse of our Jesus. No joy, no strength. No strength no witness. Nehemiah's purpose was to rebuild. Nehemiah's passion was people. Nehemiah's assignment was to serve the king as a cupbearer. A cupbearer was a respected administrative position that required a level of excellence and trust. The cupbearer tasted everything the king was given to ensure the king wasn't poisoned. Nehemiah was paid very well and his position was one of great influence, but an assignment is a temporary pit stop that catapults you into calling. It is not meant to be a permanent habitation. It is temporary. Sidebar. Don't marry an assignment. It will not last. At the same time, don't downplay your assignment. Your assignment functions as a kind of tour guide that helps you to reach destiny. Hence, destination. The difference between an assignment versus purpose or passion is this. An assignment has a deadline. Nehemiah could not serve the king forever, no matter how much he loved his job. And purpose required him to go back to Jerusalem. Don't forget that. The ultimate reason Nehemiah existed was to help rebuild the city of God. If Nehemiah had become caught up in the income or the influence while serving a pagan king, the king of Persia, he would have missed the whole reason he had the job in the first place. Restoration was the goal. Rebuilding was the method. Nehemiah was the messenger. So here is the worship lesson. Be clear about your assignment. If not, an earthly king will try to keep you longer than you're supposed to stay. Worshippers must also be mindful of their disposition and physical countenance. I believe Nehemiah worshiped the king of kings by being consistent and blameless before his secular king. His boss was so impacted by Nehemiah's consistency that he funded Nehemiah's prayer requests without delay. In the same way, we should be so connected to God that even people who don't believe in him will be inspired to fund the verb and the vehicle to which God has called you. Today, Nehemiah, as God places you before kings and queens, steward your seat wisely. God is orchestrating this next move for the sole purpose of him getting the glory. Don't get in the way. So what is your worship work today? It is to show up to work like you would show up for a king. Imagine that God is your supervisor and treat your secular job like you would treat Jesus if he was your boss. After all, he is. Consider your countenance, your consistency and your competencies. Work like a worshiper would for the heavenly king, even if your worldly king doesn't say thank you. Let's pray. 
King of Kings, take me to the King. Help me to see you in everything. Help me to serve. Help me to mean something. In Jesus' name, amen. Take me to the King. I don't have much to bring. My heart is torn in pieces. It's my offering. Take me to the King. Truth is I'm tired Options are few I'm trying to pray But where are you? I'm all churched out Hurt and abused I can't fake what's left Truth is I'm weak, no strength to fight, no tears to cry, even if I tried, but still my soul refuses to
It's my own. 